Welcome, everyone, to our latest episode of Week and on Fleek. That's right. We Fleek. We Fleek. We, no, we are Fleek. We Fleek. Oh, we Fleek. Hmm. <laughs> I don't feel very Fleek today, but I'll roll with Maybe Fleek right. slash Fleek. <laughs> we Fleek. So um, we are going to be discussing today the top four films ever made when adjusted for inflation, the big money makers. Uh -huh. The stuff that brought in the cheese. Um, the cheese. What? And I'm wondering, uh, audience, if you can name the four, because I could name a couple of them, but I was wrong on a couple. And in fact, there are some lists that disagree. So if you find a list that is, you know, not exactly along with us. Just go with us for this one because we're gonna we're gonna debate these four, right. and they are Richard. Coming in at number four is Star Wars: The Original Episode Four. <laughs> Coming in at number three is Titanic. My heart will go on, or will it? Um, and coming in at number two, and I, if you can sing the theme song to this, I'll be impressed. Avatar, no one remembers your songs. And last but not least, coming in at number one, Tops, Gone with the Wind. That 1939 classic that every Georgia middle schooler in my generation had to watch, and it basically took up your entire school day. Um, we so, snapped for those days. So those are our four films that we are going to go with. As Katrina stated, we are aware that there are other lists, but we're going to agree with Wikipedia on this one. They look like they're smart people. They did maths. Wicka, wicka. So we shall get started with Week and Fleek. We're not really going to talk about these four because they're not really related to each other with the exception of two. And I'm sure we'll get into those two as we go along. But let us start with the week. Katrina, where do you fall on your weakness? Okay, so legit, um, as, as soon as we figured out we were going to do this episode months ago, I've been thinking about it slash watching, you know, every so often. I watch Star Wars quite often, actually, but then I dusted off Avatar. It's been some years. Been some years. And then uh, uh, yesterday I finished up Titanic, and today I watched Gone with the Wind. It's been some years for that one, too, but I've seen that one quite a bit yeah. um, in my lifetime. As you stated, we live in Georgia, and there's quite a bit of Georgian history in there, even though it is fiction. There's a lot of um, historical fact uh, up in there as well. So, um, anyway, <laughs> long-winded, uh, it's 9.24 right now as we are recording this, and um, I just decided my week maybe Ooh. an hour ago, and my fleek mm, about the same. So, seriously, I've never been, I've never felt so unprepared for a podcast as far as, like, my decisions. And I probably could be swayed, uh, you know, a certain way. But I'm going to go with this. So my week, I'm going to say Titanic. And uh, with my week runner-up being Avatar, and I thought it was going to be Avatar. But it wasn't. And I'll tell you why I'm going with Titanic. Um, and actually, my little 18-year-old heart that, you know, saw Titanic 
four or five times in the theater probably would beat me up today. Mm. Um, you know, between the, uh, just the nostalgia, the, the, uh, the movie making, the, um, the score, the theme song, but Celine Dion is one of my favorite, uh, vocal artists. And, um, so all those things put together, you know, those could have gone against me and I could have very well picked uh, Titanic to be my on fleek choice really and truly. But here's why I'm going with the weak side because um, if you, if you got this movie in 1998, uh, you, you had to wait, you know, however many months it was in the theater because back in the day, movies stayed in the theater for a long time. Right. right. Um, they don't do that anymore so much because things go digital so fast or people uh, pirate them suckers. So anyway, it was in the theater for however long, and then you could collect the two uh, VHS cassette uh, right. tapes. And uh, my, my favorite thing to do would be to skip the entire first half and just watch the part where everybody dies. Um, I didn't do that this time. <laughs> Not to be morbid, but that's what happened. So, um, the, the first half is where the weakness happens. The second half could have been the fleek choice. Truly full of uh, epic score, epic uh, cinematography, epic uh, movie making, camera lights, you know, oh my goodness, there are so many things, CGI worked out really well the second half, um, sinking a great ship like that. And has aged remarkably well I agree. when compared to other pieces i agree um and uh true as far as like emotional potency the second half of titanic was more emotionally potent than any moment i experienced with the other three including my on fleek choice so i really could have made a case and put titanic up at the top and i thought about it because of the emotional potency. It makes you feel things. Now, sometimes those things are disgust. Sometimes those feelings are like utter sadness. But the reason it's weak is because the entire first half, it's almost as if everybody's breaking the fourth wall. Now, you know what that means if you're an actor or you see a lot of theater, that means that basically you're looking at the audience and I felt like the a, a good chunk of the time, especially like the quote unquote present day with Bill Paxton um, and that crew that was going in search of Titanic and specifically the heart of the, the ocean, which was the necklace that Rose was given the by MacGuffin. Her, the MacGuffin. Hey, given by her fiance, Cal, who was callous. <laughs> I'm so funny. So um, anyway, um, I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, the, the t entire time it was quote unquote present day. I mean, that seriously was like, as good as the acting was for a lot of the other parts, those parts were like, ooh, they were difficult to watch. And like pretty much from everybody, and it was almost like, please tell us about the Titanic. And you're like, you know, just breaking the fourth wall. And it's almost like, it, like really self-important. Like we know the weight of the thing that we're doing. And so we're going to talk to you like this. And it's almost like, almost condescending talking down to you. I do mm -hmm. not like that in films. And we get that a lot lately, like just with how movies are made. It's, it's like, 
we're looking at you as we're doing this because we know exactly how we're manipulating you. And I don't like that. We're don't film explaining. Yeah. And don't you, yeah, don't do that to me. Don't insult my intelligence. So, um, anyway, ultimately that's the reason why, uh, Rose and, um, Jack, the love story, the thing's supposed to, you know, give it the anchor. <laughs> supposed to give the mm -hmm. film. <laughs> it's killing my Supposed to ground the film. Yeah, the anchor of the film. Uh, the love story. And I just found it to be super, I find it to be super weak. Now, again, 18-year-old me, uh, you know, like that was, that was some emotional stuff. That was like hitting all the right points, the check, the check marks. First of all, Leonardo DiCaprio, when I was 18 years old, like he was it. Um, he was the MacGuffin. He did uh, Romeo and Juliet kind of around the same time period. Oh, mm -hmm. I love that one. Ooh, so that was so good. Um, but anyway, um, as far as like, Building a story that's supposed to be a love story that's supposed to be enduring. Uh, that's not what I got. Um, I, I did get, I did get a, a man who just like by chance ends up on the, the boat and does end up changing Rose's life. I'll give you that um, for sure. But Rose's, Rose's life was bound to be changed at any, you know, because of the nature of this, happening with titanic thinking um but anyway uh she did go through a, a huge growth and it was because of because of him but as far as what she did for him meh, i don't know <laughs> um and the the ultimate like everybody talks about it in memes and is the is the notorious door that rose ends up on and jack is hanging off of and if he had just gotten up on that door then he would have, you know, been alive and all those things. And like, there's, you know, zillions of, of, uh, blogs and, you know, news feeds or whatever, and people talking about it, all the ways that this could have been done. And James Cameron goes, well, but it was never going to happen. He was always going to die. So even if he had made it up onto the door, he would have died, you know, <laughs> all of those things. Leo um, was doomed. He was doomed. doomed. And that's, I don't know, perhaps why his character I felt was more. It was to prevent a sequel. <laughs> Actually, there is one. And I oh, almost ended up watching it because I'm like, oh, this is free. All right. Titanic is free. Wait, it's On free? the streaming. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I realized um, it was Titanic 2 pretty fast. And I was like, mm, click off, 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 off. 2010. Not, not no quite. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it is a acknowledged sequel. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, not by James Cameron by any means, but <laughs> oh, of course not. Yeah. But it says Titanic too. And I watched the, like the opening credits and it was like, somebody got their mama's camera. <laughs> 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 and it was like the wilderness backdrop with some guy in the forefront. Like, oh, okay. Something's going down. What's what's going on? Um, perhaps at another time. No, no, I will not. Uh, I was about to say, let's let's not do that to ourselves. <laughs> I can think of a couple movies I'd rather watch instead, and 
I was just thinking of some ones that I was like, that pained me to watch that I would rather watch, but I won't say them because they might be insulting to my, my co-host. So anyway. Mm, okay. I'm just going to say the love story is weak. Um, and the fourth wall breaking got on my last nerve. And what else did I say? I said something else. I made another point. I can't remember what it was. It must have been really strong. But you get, you get my point. Um, even though the second half is so emotional and it is such a great example of brilliant movie making, the first half caused me to put it on the, the weakest of the four. And that is including Avatar, which I really do not like. So there we go. Richard, what do you say? So I am going to agree with you. Um, but for slightly different, no, pretty significantly different reasons. I also put Titanic at the bottom of my list. Um, I'm glad that I did not wait till the last minute to watch this film because, and, and normally when we talk about our emotional reactions to films, I think that we can be funny and we're pretty lighthearted about films, but I'm not joking when I say that this film filled me with a nasty, vile, uncomfortable anger that lingered with me uh, after watching it. I was very disturbed by this movie. I had not watched it since I was 15 years old. I went and watched it on my 15th birthday. Um, and I have not you're, watched you're it since. You're aging yourself? I did too. Um, and... So for me, I, and, and I chose not to watch it because I didn't much care for it my first time watching it. Um, I found it to be depressing and um, not particularly entertaining for me, to be honest. It just didn't strike my fancy, but I didn't hate it uh, when I saw it at 15. Uh, I loved the music. Uh, visually, yeah. obviously, it was a spectacle, um, you know, and, and is still a spectacle. It's you know james cameron is a, an amazingly talented filmmaker in that he uh, has a technical skill and works with people who have fantastic technical skill and that shows his movies age well um his work um you know just from a technical standpoint is is impeccable however um watching this as an adult made me furious. And I'm the reason I say that I'm glad that I took time between the watching of it and recording this episode is because if I hadn't, I may have just said that this movie was a complete and utter piece of trash drivel that needed to be tossed in a fire Yikes. and forgotten. Um, like I was really angry at this movie and it took me some time to sit back and kind of ponder as to why. And my conclusion is, is that it's not so much the film itself, but the events that are depicted in the film. Specifically, I, and this is a personal thing, um, when children are harmed in films, I cannot abide it. I cannot abide it. And so this movie, and even talking about it right now, Katrina, I'm getting anxious. Like it's, it's causing me to feel not good um, there are scenes in this movie where mothers are comforting their children who are about to die, um, where you see children crying in corridors and you know 
that that child is going to die. And uh, adults, this is going to sound really, really like harsh. Kill all the adults you want. Um, go right ahead. Um, because adults can make choices and, and those people wittingly or unwittingly, poor or rich, they made some level of choice about being on that ship. But children did not have a choice. Um, and as I watched these wealthy people who built the ship um, and these wealthy people who escaped on the lifeboats, um, it made me deeply angry and um, deeply icky towards humanity. And the ending of the film and this resolution with Rose and Jack did not change that for me. That did not give me a ray of sunshine. Those two teenage idiots were running on hormones and all the Romeo and Juliet speaking. Of yeah, that. You know, yes, very Romeo and Juliet, very much tragic lovers, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I don't care for it. I, I don't care for their relationship. Say what you will about Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor. Uh, but at this point in his career, for me, I do not buy him. I do not buy his accent that seems to come and go at a whim. I do not buy his, um, his emotions for much of it. Um, I, he, he doesn't do it for me. Kate Winslet also, um, I feel like, has gone on to be a much more, much more talented and capable actress. But for me here, she doesn't really grab me, which is saying something because I actually think she's immensely talented. Um, you know, you've got a great cast of great performers, uh, Bill Paxton in the modern era. Um, you've got people with talent and people with skill, but the, it never, yeah, it, the only way that it grabs me is in disturbing ways. For me, this is a horror movie. For me, this is, let's show humanity at their most arrogant, and then let's have them do terrible things to each other and wonderful things. I will, I will grant you that there's some nobility that is seen. There is some sorrow and regret that is seen. It's not all nasty, but it is largely unpleasant. And um, I will never watch this movie again, ever, um, because it was deeply upsetting to me. And I realized that that is a personal thing. It has to do with the portrayal of children being of being harmed and killed uh, by stupid adults who I wanted to hop in a time machine and shoot and then hop back in the time machine with all the kids and take them to shore. And, you know, it's um, wimey Richard. So <laughs> I recognize that it's a personal bias of mine towards the film uh, that definitely influences my ranking of it. But I, I think that ultimately I would, um, even, even taking that element out as hard as it would be for me to take it out, I don't care for it because I don't find it uplifting. I, I, find, no, I, I find no redemptive, redemptive message in it. I do not find Jack and Rose's love but to be... My heart will go on yeah. and Yeah, great lovely whatever i don't believe you um <laughs> no beautiful Richard, song, but i don't i don't believe the story 
um, I, I don't buy it. And so, and that's the thing that I suppose is supposed to make you walk out of the theater, I suppose, feeling good. Um, but I don't feel good when I finish that movie. And and the treatment of children certainly is part of it. But part of it is just, there's no, there's no happiness there. And even the modern day stuff, what are they doing? Oh, we're, we're looking for the buried treasure um, yeah, out of, sure. out of greed. Exactly. I'm, I'm good. I, I never liked slash understood why old Rose threw the heart of the ocean into. The yes. Ocean. I never understood that at all. And it bothers me still to this day, but right. I it don't seems want a, the, a, the guys to have it either. Yeah. It, your granddaughter. Or, it seems a very selfish gesture. Put it in. Yes. Yeah, it's very, and actually that, that might tie her to Young Rose because I feel like Young Rose is pretty selfish too. Well, and, and as it dropped, I was like, well, they might find it. But they were, you know. they were nowhere near where they were searching like that thing. That might gone. It's gone. Oh, uh, but anyway. So just to play devil's advocate, um, like I said, <laughs> I could have put it fleek for a lot of other reasons. And as much vitriol as much hate as you are spewing there is that fact that it makes you feel something certainly much the much the way that i feel like um as a musician i don't love all music however music makes me feel and i love that effect sure so as much as i dislike a lot of the messages at the end of the film, I am like, my body, my soul is full of feelings, and I love that. However, however, and that could have, like, again, I, I could have said, that put it set up to to, we, uh, to fleek for me. That could have, right. and we would have had a, <laughs> a very interesting debate. <laughs> but, um, I would anyways, have breaking up the fourth wall being... and the, the Jack Rose thing. If heartless I, towards children. I know. You're right. <laughs> You're right. But, again, well, but, uh, likening it I, to music. It makes, you feel, right. it makes you feel all the emotions. And there's something to be said for that because there is right. plenty of vapid, why was this movie made movies? They're like, it makes you feel nothing. Right. You know, or whatever. This one makes you feel everything. So, anyway, that's just my devil's advocate little thing there. And and it's a valid point, and I and I don't negate it um, because you're right on the emotional Richter scale. Oh yeah, I mean it 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 topped the charts because none of those movies made me sit there and like mull over them for hours. In a but it wasn't a good mulling; it was a bad mulling. And I don't. That's not why I go to uh, to watch a film. I don't go for for bad vibes and which is not to say that I don't enjoy a tragedy because I do enjoy tragedies Shakespearean or otherwise but um so just off the top of your head Richard this is more like a bonus question a bonus question but off the top of your head name a tragedy that you do like a tragic film that you do like Ooh. um well I have to go for my boy Hamlet I've been uh, fond of a number of Mel Gibson's Hamlet film is pretty good. David Tennant and Patrick Stewart, fantastic Hamlet film. If you've never seen it, <laughs> need to watch that. So good. Um, the Last Samurai I consider to be a tragic film, and I think it's excellent. Um, um, I'm trying to think of some other good 
Okay. That, well, that was good. So, so those are some that you like. Those would be on fleek tragedies. So can right. we move on to on fleek for this episode? Yes. Can I ask you to go first? Sure. So I'm with you on my lower choices. Avatar is definitely down there for me. Um, and so that leaves us with Gone with the Wind and Star Wars. And I've I ruminated on this. Star Wars. It's Gone with the Wind and Star Wars. <laughs> Crossover. Um, so I ruminated on this quite a bit because um, there are elements of Gone with the Wind that I think are quite excellent. Um, the performances that are there, the dialogue, um, the story, uh, it's a tragedy as well and kind of a cautionary tale. Uh, and so I have, I have admiration for that film. Um, Hattie McDaniel, uh, the first ever black person to win an Oscar. Um, so it, it gets a little in 1939 to have someone who's African-American be nominated for an Oscar. Granted, the way that they handled her and uh, her presence at the Oscars was absolutely. That, that's where the discussion, and um, I feel like we should talk about that. And maybe that's uh, maybe that's more for a bonus episode than for for this at present discussion. But um, lots of lots of good things going on there. Her performance is excellent. Ooh, um, yeah. And there's, there's drama and there's depth and there's tragedy. And I mean, it kind of runs the gambit of um, everything that you would want uh, in a film. And yet it is exceedingly long. Um, it's a very long movie. All four of these films are exceedingly long. Actually, with the exception of Star Wars. Not I was about to say, Star Wars, is, Star Wars is a pretty good, solid runtime. Those, those are three long films. Right. Um, so it is very long. And um, again, I, 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 I find Scarlett O'Hara to be an interesting character. She's almost an anti-hero. She's almost this incredibly unlikable human being that yet you're, you at some points relate to or sympathize with her and certainly she has met her before right uh and certainly she has a grit and a um a survival instinct that is admirable I'm a but, survivor. yes if they ever remake the movie i'm sure they can use that <laughs> um and rhett butler is certainly a charming and complex character who is is interesting and very like it's a good movie um as i as i sit here talking about it i'm almost talking myself into giving it the number one spot but i'm not going to i'm going to give star wars the number one spot and and my reasons for that are not <laughs> i cannot i cannot tell you that it is a better film but i can tell you that if i were given these four and uh, and asked which one am i going to pop in and watch first it would be that one i would not put pop in gone with the wind i will watch gone with the wind you know it, it, if somebody said hey would you like to watch gone with the wind and i was like well can we break it up into like six episodes and they're like sure 
um, then I, I would say, yeah, yeah, let's like watch it. The wind is six hours long and all these, the rest of these are five minutes. Right. Um, so. so, you know, it, it's, it's a very long film, but it's a very, it's a good film and it's, it's worth watching. And if you haven't seen it, then I, I certainly hope that you will, because I think it's a valuable uh, piece of film for its time, for 1939, and for what it was reflecting on in that Civil War and post-Civil War era. So it's, on the one hand, is it the more significant film in a historical sense? Yes. Is it technically a very well-done film? Yes. Is it have, does it have really good performances? Yes. Um, all that is true. And yet, I will watch Star Wars first. And I will enjoy it more. That is, and we've already done a Star Wars podcast where I've shared my feelings about that film. So I'm not going to labor that point. Um, but I am going to say uh, Star Wars is more fun. It's just a, it's a lighter thing. And I suppose perhaps that's the thing is that if you're watching a movie for uh, depth and drama and um, some really uh, deep meditative stuff, then that one should be your on fleek. But if you're watching a movie to have fun and for some escapism and for some joy, and maybe because I watched Titanic, that's like what my heart is uh, searching for. Um, but that's what, that's what I would go for in my knee jerk uh, reaction. And so it's both films have merit and, for me, the fleek was a much harder choice than the week, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with Star Wars just because that's where the pleasure is. That's where the enjoyment is for me. What's number one pleasure point of Star Wars? Um, I think the pleasure point of Star Wars is there is this fleetness to it and this sense of fun while there's, there's these big stakes. But at the same time, you, you're drawn into a story that, that just feels fun. It feels like an adventure and it draws you in, in making you feel like, like you're there. You, it, it has a way of making you feel present that I think is, is a lot of fun. But yeah, and, and obviously it has great actors and, and great performances and from a technical standpoint, it's great. But I think it's just, it's that fleetness, it's that fun, it's the, the real, for that first movie, the simplicity of it at its core, it's a, you could watch that one film and, and be okay. Um, it, it doesn't need a, big, a prequel or a sequel. It could stand on its own. But people and, love it. And would be okay. It's a fantastic world building, world right. starting film. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I love your points. And I think I think for sure. For me, the two biggest points for Star Wars are the the strength of the characters and how they relate right. to each other. And like that is really difficult to find in films where it's solid all the way around. And like, do you, do you get annoyed with Luke and his whininess? Yeah, absolutely. But he is totally, you know, inhabiting that role. Um, yes. You know, are you completely smitten with Han Solo because he's such a rogue? Yeah, 100%. Um, but you, that, like, that is an investment 
in in like you know the countless hours that you spend watching that movie over and over again and all of its brothers and sisters um and the the second point is the score it's so mm, yes solid and uh man you talk about a piece of iconography right. all, all four of these films carry that weight um they're all iconic in their own ways um but i would disagree with that with avatar i do not find avatar to be iconic now avatar spent a long time with some titles so for me uh by nature of how popular it was slash is slash people are psyched about avatar 2 are they i feel like who is who's psyched by this i don't know people the masses i have yet to hear whoever is talking and making uh writing stories and stuff they're like james cameron he's psyched about it speaking of that james cameron created two of the four of these films that is really noteworthy and you talked about like james cameron and like uh the worlds he builds and like the details that that's Mm -hmm. something to be said and i thought peter jackson who i love and lord of the rings will watch any day of the week for sure um that's something that peter jackson does extremely well and i feel like james cameron does the same thing he he's also done um terminator and some other things where it's like you know you get sucked into that world and i for sure you get sucked into that titanic (laughs) for sure you get sucked into avatar um and like you become a blue person but anyway um that's beside the point so yes i love star wars and we've done podcasts and we've done uh, talking about podcasts we've we've talked to each other about star wars star wars ad nauseum however i'm going to dissent and i'm going to say my only on flake choice is gone with the wind now of those four films which is the one i'm most likely to watch it's Star Wars. Right. I've seen Star Wars more times, but it's a little bit more accessible. It's a little bit more like, and I say this with all the love in the world, mindless. Like I don't have to think. Right. I'm just sucked in. I'm absorbed. And to its credit, it's like that. Yes. Um, on the other hand, I've watched Gone with the Wind a number of times. And um, the experience is very compelling because you feel the weight you feel the emotional weight of the characters and how they relate to each other you feel the weight of hey is are Rhett and scarlet going to get together because first second you see them on screen together there is a magnetism that is there and it's portrayed spinning everywhere portrayed beautifully um that was that was rip but butler uh just drooling all uh magnetism um yeah the magnetism between the two um, and yeah, Rhett, as far as like a, a character, a rogue kind of Han Solo type. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Ooh, Han Solo could have done that. Hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> he could have pulled off like a Civil War era uniform. I'm, I'm sure he could have. <laughs> hmm. Now somebody's gonna come <laughs> along with some kind of YouTube video. Um, but anyway, I call. I can it- really see him saying. Uh, Rhett Butler's last line that oh I, yeah I can I can I see you. I know Harrison I mean, Ford that's basically the same scene sort of <laughs> so anyway no I want to I want to see Harrison Ford saying frankly my dear I don't give a damn yeah just 
walking away. That, but he would say it with a little less. It's it was like almost monotone, because yeah. he it's like I know I love you. We could just get Mark Hamill to do his impression of Harrison Ford saying it, and that'd probably be good enough. Probably he would probably nail that. He's so good at voice uh, acting and and on screen acting. Um, but um, at any rate, so some more fleek points. Gone with the wind. Another another very touching score, and this is as you mentioned, 1939. This is like brand new world of Technicolor, mm -hmm. same year as uh, um, Wizard of Oz, if I'm not mistaken. And um, so I, it's 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 close. If it's not, yeah. If it's not, it's very close. If it's not, it's very close. Um, and like as far as like old Hollywood, you get a sense of the glamour. Even in the Civil War clothes, even even right. when they're like, you know, on their knees in the dirt digging, like when they're hungry, you, you get a sense of that. You can just kind of feel it. So there's weight from all, all kinds of angles, the emotional, the interrelational, the time period it was developed in the score adds a lot of weight. It has an on track. It has an overture. It has exit music like people it's interacting with the audience through the through the music which is not something we experience right. these days but it's, and it's much, people were used to back then because it's much more a play theater, right they right. go to see a play they go to see an opera or something like that that has music like that they're used to that orchestral kind of thing so it's a nice break and like of course you're gonna fast forward through actually i did not fast forward through it this time when i watched it and I, you know, let myself be like, oh, that's a folk song that they worked into the score there. Like that was, that was nicely done. I can sing this little folk song, um, such as Beautiful Dreamer. Uh, look it up if you don't know it. Um, anyway, so I'm saying um a lot. <laughs> Not a filler, because nothing in this, this film is a filler, even though it is very long. As you say, it keeps your attention. And there are compelling uh, characters, for sure. Yes. It's including and especially Scarlett O'Hara, who we have all, we've all met somebody like that, who is just like the world revolves around them. And now like it literally does. No, it really does. It's not just in their heads. Like she creates an entire universe around her. And then right. like she, she is able to control every, everything. This, this woman is a, she's, scrappy she's a survivor she's a fighter um she marries a man that she doesn't love to prove a point to make to make somebody jealous to you know make the planets <laughs> revolve around her a little bit more and she she marries her second husband um to make sure that she has enough money to make herself and the people that right. survive in a very challenging time um, she's, she's somebody that's very admirable, but also just like, I can't believe you did that. Right. And, uh, she kind of like, you know, as much as you could like love to hate her, there's also like an element of her that is very much relatable, as you said, that she has as strong as she is and as manipulative as she can be. She's also very vulnerable at her core right. and she doesn't exactly know what she wants. And right. that's the whole thing with the, in the movie because she spends the entire length of the film thinking that she loves Ashley Hamilton, thinking that mm -hmm. she loves him. It come to find out, Oh, I didn't really, not me, 
not the inner me. I didn't love him after all. And who can't relate to that? Like right. loving somebody or something so much. And then you like, you, you get wisdom through experience and you're like, Oh no, that's not me at all. Yeah. That's, that's this idea, this ideal, this dream. So, right. you know, as, as mature as she has to be through because of the things that she experiences, she doesn't mature until the very, very end before that iconic line from Rhett Butler when he tells her, I don't care that you love me because um, I'm out, peace out, because he has invested all this time into her because he loves her and he is such a good match for her. He's a very good match. Um, <laughs> they're both. They're Did both we have to whisper that? I mean, can we? Uh... They're they're both um, super strong, super hard headed, um, both egotistical. Uh, and the complexity of those characters, I think, is something that sometimes we kind of snootily look back on older films and say, "Oh, they didn't have complex characters like they do today." You know, we look at our Breaking Bad and our our shows like this with these characters with moral gray and we're like, Oh, old, old movies and shows didn't have that. I'm like, but you watch that movie and you cannot tell me that there isn't moral gray all over the place and complexity and, and people who are, are motivated by something they don't fully understand. And it gets articulated and expressed throughout the course of the film. And, that complexity, I would say in some ways, is lacking uh, for us today, certainly in films. Um, television might do a better job with it sometimes. Speaking but... of that, when you said Breaking Bad, I thought you were going to say Breaking Dawn, and I was going to be like, what? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we just debated Twilight, guys. Yes, I don't know. Breaking Dawn and the complexity. From us, but yeah, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, let's not go down that road. <laughs> twilight into gone with the wind so um um anyway <laughs> uh besides besides those points that i had there's there's weight also in this the history and being around the civil war no there can, there's some discussion that that can be had and should be had about the relationship between the, the white people and the black people absolutely and i mean that's that's interwoven in our history and we should be talking about it um, it's very much so a, a, a hot topic, hot button topic for our society currently. Mm -hmm. um, and these are these are conversations that are are good to have. Yes. And this this film, I mean, if you want to talk about uh, in injustice and lack of equality, we could add, we could talk about that. Like, let's talk about it. And I feel like that is actually a strength. And some people right. are saying you know, maybe we shouldn't revere Gone with the Wind so much because it's a right. depiction of African-Americans and slavery in there. And I would argue, I, I think it's good to take a look at things because yes. we take a look at it. Let's discuss it. Let's talk about why we do this and why it's bad. And let's never do it again. Um, so yeah, Queen Latifah has come out and said essentially um, that, uh, Gone with the Wind should be done away with entirely, that no one should ever watch it again. And I, I and, read the same thing. And I was and, like, uh, you know, respect for Queen Latifah. I think she's fantastic. Right. But I, I disagree because I feel like we need to have these conversations. And I feel like if there's, if there's, no, if there's no reference points, 
how do we begin the conversation? Right, and, and, and there's something to be said about, as I said before, looking at how 1939 viewed the world of, 18, of the 1860s and 70s. I think there's something about, let's, let's see what their interpretation of history was. What did they miss? What did they get right? What did they get wrong? What did they just kind of blithely ignore? You know, and um, I think that it, it, instead of being pushed aside, it should spark conversation. Um, it's, it, it's, and, and to your point of this versus Star Wars, I think Star Wars is a milkshake. You can sit there, you can pop the straw in and you can go, and you can drink it and kind of mindlessly take in the sugary goodness. Whereas Gone with the Wind, boy, if you're going to watch that movie, you got to get your napkin tucked in your chin. You got to get your fork and knife out and you got to be ready for some like mean potatoes here because you're going to get into some some complex deep stuff that requires thoughtfulness and attention to enjoy what is there uh, that's that's well put and i feel like going back to the point i made with titanic it, it if nothing it makes you feel all the feelings um, yes. and that ends up being a, a very big strength for me gone with the wind is more on that side now, again, I'm going to reiterate how much I love Star Wars and the fact that I will watch Star Wars over any of the other four films. But the point, these are the top four grossing films with inflation. So, sorry, Endgame, all that. All those times I went and saw Endgame in the theater so that Endgame could beat Avatar <laughs> and it's not in this conversation is really maddening to me. <laughs> well, but I guess we'll have to do one without inflation here, just so you it's can... number five. Um, on that list. So if you wanted to do top five, which most people do, <laughs> except for us in this conversation, Endgame would have been five. And so that's a great place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, these four films, uh, as we said, they are not really linked in any direct way to each other. But if you had to rank them overall with uh, out of 10 Rhett Butlers, how many Rhett's would you give them? Red? I don't know how I dare wear it. Let's, uh, I don't see how I, I cannot give this, this group of nine and a half. I mean, and I was going to say 10 and then it's like, are you prepared to, to defend that 10? Yeah. Cause you would have to step back a couple. That would add another hour to the podcast. And... <laughs> I'm going to say nine and a half. Nah. So that's, that's lovely. I'm going to give it more like a six, six and a half. Titanic sank this sucker well, for me. Can, no. Yeah. Well, no, I'll be honest. Titanic and Avatar. And you take those two out. Sure. We'll skyrocket those, those top two. Yes. But they're the, for me, the things that I don't like about Titanic and Avatar are more subjective. And like, it's like, if I look at this as a, like a picture that is, that is made as a piece of iconography and like all of the all of the elements put together, why is it grossing? I have to give it a high score, even if I would not necessarily choose to watch Avatar um, or choose to watch the first half of Titanic. <laughs> and we'll give it a high score. So there you go. There's there's well, that, our uh, battle. There you go. That was our our big fight. We're For so, me, it's we're so rough. 
I may know that the Mona Lisa is a great painting, but it's not going to be hanging up on my wall anytime soon. So not even a print of it. So I'm putting Avatar and Titanic where they belong for me, which is in the bottoms of the ocean with that part of the ocean down there, never to be glimpsed again. Farewell. <laughs>